I've lived in northern Monmouth County in New Jersey my entire life. I've been a fiction writer, actor, playwright, blogger, gourmet chef, home renovator, event planner, landscape architect, and decorator. Now, I'm married to a professional drummer who is also an award-winning photographer, so the arts have always been really important to me. There are so many people in New Jersey that are involved in the arts, and I am planning to talk to all of them. Well, maybe not all of them, but a lot of them. And I'm inviting you to listen in. I'm Lucille Sapio, talking arts and culture, and this is Hazlitt Coffee Talk. What can I say about today's guest? Well, he's an incredible drummer, an award-winning photographer, and my husband, Gary Dates. Yes, today we are going to talk to Gary about things like the sound of metal and the real fear of losing your hearing as a musician, his existential crisis after our 1984 car accident, and the real need of a musician to have a live audience. Today you get a look inside of the head of the man I've lived with for over 35 years. Hi, Gary. Thank you for making the time to let me interview you today. Oh, for God's sake. Well, Lucille, you're quite welcome. (laughs) Of course, I know a lot about your history as a musician and a photographer, but most of my listeners probably don't. I know you started playing the drums when you were a teen, but talk to me a little bit about what drew you to the drums. Led Zeppelin. When I first heard Led Zeppelin, that's when I got serious. John Bonham just floored me. And I wanted to do that. So how old were you? Well, I started playing drums when I was about 10. They got me lessons, but I really didn't stick with it. And then I heard Led Zeppelin, and that was the end of it. You started taking drum lessons prior to hearing Led Zeppelin. Why did you pick the drums? I I really have no idea. There are plenty of jokes that they tell about musicians. How many of these jokes do you think are based on reality? I don't know. They're just jokes. Don't get defensive. I mean, if you if you feel like all those things that they say about drummers are true, you don't have to apologize for it. <laughs> <sighs> Let's move on. Okay. Everybody gets older and our skills start to deteriorate as we get older. At least physical skills. So drumming is such a physical skill, unlike playing the guitar, that it seems like it would be harder to be a drummer as you get old. What do you think? That's a myth that the drums are more physical than other instruments. People say that all the time. Oh, boy, you're really getting a workout. No, that's not true. If you're playing correctly with the proper technique, it doesn't really take a lot of physical effort at all. It's just like anything else. Once you've developed the proper technique, it's easy. You don't even really think about it. And it's not a question of physical exertion. It's a question of being able to control the bounce of the stick coming off the drum head. And that's technique. So as far as getting older, I mean, okay, I'm 65 now. I haven't found that I am any less able to do things than before. As a matter of fact, because I'm practicing so much now, I actually feel like I'm able to do more. But of course, being a drummer, you have to carry these these tons of equipment. That's different. So yeah, I developed a bad back, but the act of playing the drums itself, no, that hasn't proved to be detrimental physically at all. But what is often detrimental physically is what happens to your hearing. We just watched that movie recently um, where the drummer in a heavy metal band lost his hearing. Okay, that's a movie, and that really is not the real world of being a musician. That said, when I was much younger, I was not protecting my hearing, so I have acquired some degree of hearing loss. Did that movie make you feel more concerned about your hearing or to think about it in a different way? No, not at all. To me, that movie was 
fantasy. Uh, I was concerned about my hearing when um, I got my hearing tested. <laughs> That's when I was concerned because it was clear that I had hearing loss. I don't know anybody that's gone deaf by playing in a band. But you well, will yeah, you will admit I'm... that a lot of musicians can have significant hearing loss. I think that a large percentage of musicians my age have experienced hearing loss. All right, now that we've minimized the technical issues, and let's get back to the idea of hearing loss with musicians. When did you start wearing earplugs? After I got my ears tested. And have you found that makes a difference in your ability to play and hear the other musicians? No, because I got specially made earplugs that lower the volume by 15 dB, so I can still hear everything. It allows the full frequency spectrum to come through. These days... I actually wear in-ear monitors, so I get to control not just the volume, but I get to control the mix of what I'm hearing. Who are some of your favorite musicians to play with? I don't know. I, I You know, I love playing the drums, and I just enjoy playing. I don't think about it as favorite musicians. I think about it in terms of the music I'm playing and what I can bring to the table no matter who I'm playing with. But, I mean, if I had to answer that question, then I guess it would have to be uh, mostly the guys in line drive. But there, I mean, there are others too. I enjoy playing, I enjoy playing, period. Well, That's the wh- best way I can answer that question. What's the kind of music you most enjoy playing? I enjoy playing all kinds of music. It's not the kind of music, it's the way the music is being played that matters. If I'm playing with really good musicians, anything can be, you know, a great time. Even Moni Moni? (laughs) Yeah, even Moni Moni. (laughs) I know playing music to you has always meant trying to be successful. How do you measure success as a musician? Oh, man, that's just a hard question to answer. Because it changes over time. If you're asking me how I measure success now, I would have to say how well I'm able to do what I do and how well I can bring what I do to the table when I'm playing with other musicians. So it's the quality of the music that I measure my success by, you know, by how well I can play and how well I can contribute to the situation. That, that is how I get pleasure from playing. So if I didn't have that, I wouldn't be playing. So you do pleasure yourself when you play the drums. <laughs> okay. You're going to twist my words. Well, yeah. Isn't that what marriage is all about? I'll say. So you recently discovered a song that you had written back I think in the 80s, and you were really surprised because you actually thought it was really good. How has, how has your lack of self-confidence held you back in music? Songwriting is a completely different skill set. Um, and no, I've never had a lot of confidence in my songwriting ability. I always felt like I didn't know enough theory. I just never felt like I was a gifted songwriter by any means. When people like James Taylor don't take credit for the songs he writes, specifically saying in many interviews that he just felt like he was the vessel through which the song came, that fascinates me beyond belief. I've experienced that. I've come up with stuff that was really good, and I have no idea where it came from. So songwriting is is a mystical thing for me. There's no rhyme or reason for creating something good or not. 
Now there are gifted songwriters like John Lennon and Paul McCartney. I mean, they, they knew nothing. They knew nothing about music theory. No, but they did have an intuitive knowledge mm-hmm. of theory. Let me go back for a moment to the whole idea of the physicality of drumming and how that affects you or affected you. Because back in 1984, you and I were involved in a really bad car accident. And as a result of that accident, you lost the use of your left arm for almost a year. Actually, it was a year and a half. What was going through your head at that time? That The idea that you might not ever... I mean, to me, it's kind of similar to what the drummer in that movie, Metal. Like, all of a sudden, he can't hear. All of a sudden, you couldn't really play except with one hand. Okay, it's interesting because Line Drive at the time was actually really close to getting um, some kind of traction in the real music business. Not the local, you know, big fish, small pond music business, but the real music business. Uh, I won't go into detail, but... um, Wasn't that when Springsteen was thinking about backing the band? Okay, I wasn't going to go into detail. I went there. But yes, um, who knows? I mean, there's a thousand miles between Springsteen thinking about doing something, who knows what, and actually getting something concrete. So it wasn't like... You know, we were on the cusp of it was, huge it wasn't success, a done deal. but it was it was something. It was it was a door that was opening a crack for us. And then this happened to me. I went to a neurologist. He asked me what I did, and he very matter of factly just said, "Well, you're going to have to do something else." Talk about shitty bedside manner. <laughs> And that was devastating. But also, on the other hand, it was a relief. A relief? It was a relief, yes, because I felt like I could take a breath and not feel all this pressure to be successful. I, In my mind back then, success meant being famous, having a record deal, all that stuff. And I always felt this really immense internal pressure that kept me awake at night, actually. It was a lot of anxiety, which I was doing to myself. So I felt relief. I felt like, okay, I can jump off that treadmill for a while. I can take a break from feeling like I've, I'm not doing enough. I'm not successful enough. I'm not whatever. All of that self-flagellation for not being as successful as I felt I could be or should be, I could step off that for a while. So it was a strange combination of relief, but also great loss. I was unable to even hold a drumstick, much less play the drums. And gradually that came back. It never came back fully. I will never have the same ability to execute with my left hand that I had before. But you're playing better than you ever did before. Okay, there's a few reasons for that. Number one, experience. I've spent a lot of time playing music, and that alone. I mean, you can't help but get better. But also, I had to compensate for my lack of technique in my left hand. And also, once I was able to actually grasp a drumstick and hit a drum again, I just practiced my ass off all the time, trying to get whatever technique I could get back again. I basically had to develop an entirely new grip in order to be able to to play at a level that was acceptable. So I now have kind of this weird hybrid grip I can tell the difference, like I can, I feel it every time I play, but on the other hand, it's good enough. Do you remember the time we were driving, I know you remember this, we were driving up to New England to go skiing, and we were driving your van, and you decided that you would, (laughs) that you would sit in the back of the van, 
and practice drumming as I drove. Yeah, I, that, <laughs> that was a complete disaster. It was driving me crazy, and I was like, I, I, it was a stick shift. And I, and I think I must have like jammed it into gear or whatever. And you, you finally agreed that it wasn't a good idea for you to sit in the back of the van. and Yeah, skin that, was, skin. that was not one of my smarter <laughs> strategies. Well, look, let's talk about photography now. Because as many people may know, you are also a celebrated photographer. A few years ago, you took up photography and you had pretty immediate success, winning a couple of shows, even getting one of your photographs in a gallery in Philadelphia. I was really happy until I actually saw the gallery, which was on the, what, like the 14th floor of this, like some art school. And the the, the quote unquote gallery was a r- really tiny room, maybe like eight by 10. No, it wasn't eight by 10. Well, it, was it, was about, a, it was a small room. It was about room. 20 by 12. I mean, in, yeah. in my mind, as we're driving there, I'm seeing like there's a big gallery in Philadelphia <laughs> with these columns. And I thought, oh my God. We go, When we got there, the place was closed. We had to beg the security guard to let us in. So it, it was. I had to laugh. I wound up just cracking up because the reality of that particular exhibition was much different than what I had imagined it would be. But, you know, it really brings to mind a lot of the times when you hear about people's success, whether it's photography or something else, you have to always take it with a grain of salt because in many cases, that's the kind of success people have. A gallery is, you know, you may picture it a certain way. You may picture MoMA. And when in reality, a lot of these galleries are very small. If you go into any of the galleries in Asbury Park or Red Bank, they're not much bigger than that room. Okay. Is there a question? No. That was that was an observation from the podcaster. So how would you describe the kind of photographs you take? They're fantasies, mostly. They're composites that I assemble in Photoshop. So I'll take several different photos, and I'll take elements from each photo to assemble a composition that is basically a fantasy. Now, you did a whole series of photographs featuring Barbie and Ken, and those were done in Photoshop to make them look life-size. But you also did an earlier series where you did these pictures on film and they weren't composited. The Barbie and Ken series garnered a lot of interest from people. In fact, I think you won one or two awards for some of those photos, correct? I did, yes. I'm curious how you how you started, how you came up with that initially. It's kind of like what James Taylor was talking about. Those ideas just came to me. I I don't know where they came from. I have no idea. And as a matter of fact, they were coming at me so fast, I couldn't keep up with it. I think most artists will tell you that it's the same with them too. All I can tell you is that the floodgates opened and I saw all these images in my head. I just had to go about rendering them. So I did. Fast forward to today, I kind of hung up my camera for at least a year, probably several years, I just had zero inspiration, zero motivation to pursue it. So I went from this incredibly productive period where I couldn't keep up with all the ideas to having nothing, literally nothing. Well, now you're working on a series of photographs that are featuring strong women. Yes. But even there, it's not like I have all these ideas. I don't know. You know, I've, everybody's different. I know that Chuck Close, he's a famous artist. When asked about when he has these dry spells, he just says you have to work through it. Other people, 
like Sting, he went through a period of 10 years where he had nothing and everything he tried just failed. I don't know where it comes from. So as far as this series that I'm working on, the context is, yeah, I want to portray strong women. I think that uh, women historically have been put down in many, many ways. And, you know, that exists even today. So I wanted to kind of celebrate women in some sort of inspirational way. But that's an intellectual idea. The actual vision seems to be coming to me in spurts. Talk about some of those pictures that are part of that series. You have one where there's a secretary and Mm -hmm. her boss is towering over her. He's screaming at her and she's kind of cowering. She's sitting behind a desk and he's standing up over her screaming. She was actually a, a bodybuilder in real life. I photographed her in that scene. Then I also photographed her shadow, which outlined her incredible physique. And her shadow depicted her grabbing him by the neck and lifting him up and about to punch him. So it was kind of like this uh, fantasy. And, and again, like that's just what I saw in my head. Not speaking from a professional perspective, but more from an artistic one. What kind of advice would you give to someone who has recently gotten interested in photography? I'm really not good at advice. I guess if I was to give anybody advice, it would be just to be open. Be open to the creative spirit. I hate to use that word, but I can't deny the existence of some type of energy that If you're open to it, you can be the receptacle of whatever this idea is, whether it's musical or photographic or painterly or whatever it is. Any kind of creative endeavor requires that you be open to it. And as obvious as that sounds, it's really not obvious because our culture in particular does not help us or teach us to be open to that type of thing. Quite the opposite. You're you're taught to be closed. You're taught to memorize numbers or whatever it is creativity isn't really valued very much and you can see it in the schools there's less and less money spent on the arts that's the things that get cut first from the school curriculum right we're a very mechanistic capitalistic culture and money in our culture is the true religion money is revered in our culture more than any concept of a god organized religion it's really all about money so i've always had a problem with that i'm not saying that money is bad it's just that i don't know how to create art to make money i just don't know how to do that if you're going to sell somebody something then you need to be concerned about what they want you have to be concerned about pleasing them Because if what you create doesn't please them, why on earth would they buy it? And that changes the dynamic completely. Yes, I've been artistically successful and I've gotten recognition for that for sure. But I haven't been commercially successful at all. I've had people come up to me and say the most amazingly gratifying things, but they wouldn't want that hanging in their living room. The fact of the matter is financial success just doesn't do it for me. Before I forget, I want to make sure that we mention both your photography site, which is GaryDatesPhotos.com, but also your YouTube channel. I have a YouTube channel for photography, and I also have a YouTube channel for drumming. The YouTube channel is is called The Creative Drummer. Right, so you go on YouTube and you just type in The Creative Drummer. Okay, I just want to make sure people had that. So let me ask you, what would be your dream musical gig? To write my own stuff and have a band that could go out and play it 
in front of audiences. All the practicing that I do wouldn't really have any value if I couldn't be in front of an audience. To me, that's the ultimate, that energy exchange, which I have felt. Uh, most musicians know what I'm talking about, uh, but you have to have an audience. Gary, this has been a pleasure. We talk every day, but we don't necessarily talk about this. So thank you for agreeing to be one of my interviewees. My pleasure. I love the arts, and I love to talk, and that's why I'm talking to local artists. And if you like listening, then subscribe to my podcast. You can do it on this page, on iTunes, or anywhere you get podcasts. I'm Lucille Sapio, and this is Hazlitt Coffee Talk. ¶¶